0: Welcome back to the ECSA podcast. I'm Olivia. And I'm Christine. And we're super excited to, for today because we have a really special guest on. Um, and her name is?
1: Well, hi, everyone. My name is Meg. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and also alumni from ECSA.
2: Yay! This is so exciting. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, I'm really excited that we could make this work because um, I have been talking to you about this for the better part of like two months and then I just kept forgetting to reply to you and to set a date and it was mortified every time I remembered so I'm really excited that we could make it work and that you are not totally turned off of this because I'm a butthole with scheduling
0: yeah and thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast
1: we really appreciate it oh my god no this just feels so special that you guys wanted me on here
2: <laughs> yeah well you're great and like you're a pretty pretty cool figure at the university. Like Everybody knows about you. Everyone's super stoked about your research. And uh, if they don't, this is a really, really cool way to introduce them to some of the stuff you're doing. And it's pretty important. You me...
1: <laughs> you're making me feel like Hollywood over here.
2: <laughs> you deserve to feel that way.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank
2: you. Yeah,
0: so... I think, should we just start off with some horrible icebreakers as per usual?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> okay, so... So, how did you find
1: ConBio? Okay, um, ConBio kind of was always in my radar. In high school, I was like, ever since I was a kid, really super duper obsessed with nature. Everything I find something dead, I'd poke at it, um, <laughs> such as life. I used to catch frogs and make them jump through hoops because um, oh I thought I could have a frog circus. But oh my yeah, it's um, like better pizza. <laughs> fast <Barnum>. forward. <laughs> <laughs> God, okay, fast forward. 10 years. I don't know. However many years that takes to get me into high school. I had a super awesome bio teacher, Miss P. Um, Shout out to Miss P at ABJ in Shirt Park. She rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Got me like super into going to university. Like I kind of always had it in my like scope. Like you always have your parents who are like, go to university. Like it's the choice to make. So that was kind of like, yeah, sure, mom. Like I am struggling through high school now because high school sucks and people are awful to navigate as a teenager. Um, But Miss P like started telling me about her experience at university and like sleeping on couches. So like in sub Um, (laughs) and um, for midterm studying, you know how it goes if it wasn't COVID. Um, But yeah, so she started talking to me about that more. So then I started delving into the like university and like looking at U of A and I went to the butter dome this one day for like the the career day. I don't really know what it's called, but there were people handing out trees and I was like, that's the shit. Like (laughs) (laughs) these people just gave me a free tree. What is this about? And it was like faculty of ales. And anyway, that's, that's how that goes. And I was like, I'm not going to go into general science. I'm going to go into conservation biology. That sounds dope. So that's how I found myself in count bio.
2: <laughs> that's so cool. What kind of tree was it?
1: I think it was probably just your average little white spruce. I honestly don't know because I brought it home and I left it on my counter too long, procrastinated, and it died. And I feel really <laughs> bad. Rest in peace, little tree. But <laughs> maybe why I'm not in forestry right now. Yeah. <laughs> like... Oh, my goodness. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so you... So you went through the program. (laughs) Did you do four years or five?
1: Mm, I did the five. Um, I heard five years is the new four years and I stuck to it. Um, (laughs) Also, I found it a lot more like beneficial for me to have it into into, like five years rather than force it all into four years. It's just more fun that way because I got to like meet more people and go to more events and ECSA events. So I thought that was like I got to meet a lot of people who kind of, like, they lift you up, the community um, in our faculty. So that helped a lot for my own mental health, too. So
0: yeah, yeah, totally. I think, yeah, like you said, it's the new normal. It just makes, like, everything more enjoyable. Like, even studying is a bit more enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you have
1: time to, like, focus on little aspects of maybe what you're studying more. Like, yeah. if you're into birds, you can maybe go birding more. And learn more about it in your own backyard instead of, like, trying to cram all the information from, like, the dead birds on the tables. <laughs> no, and, like, God. memorize
0: those.
2: Like, maybe you can get out and see them. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: But, yeah. And the plastic tubes that, like, you can't actually see into because the light is bouncing off oh, of them. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. Those
2: are awful. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the study skins where the stuffing is coming out of the eyes and you're like, this is just uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, the ones that are on, like, the popsicle sticks and the, like, Skewers. I can't look at those and not think like, oh, snack. But then my brain is like, no, why do you think that? Like, (laughs) what? That's so funny. (laughs) I'm like almost ashamed to admit it.
2: (laughs) Honestly, the thought has crossed my brain before. I'm like, this is not unlike a corn dog. (laughs) Like, no. (laughs) Damn, that's awesome. So, what
0: was like one of your favorite things that you, or one of your favorite courses that you took through your
1: undergrad? I feel that that's like a tough competition. There were a few like fundamental ones that maybe like the topics weren't exactly like what I was like passionate about, but the professors made it super like worthwhile for me. So for example, like Nadir's courses, like he teaches with like so much humor and like passion that it just makes you super passionate about stuff. And there's not too much pressure on you to like memorize fact for fact and like all the numbers. But at least in his class, like you're learning because you want to learn. And then there's courses like Zoology 247, something silly in bio-sci, but it was what I took for my APE and it was invertebrate um, diversity or something like that. I don't know, but we had to memorize like everything. Um, very similar to John's like wildlife ID course, but if you took that already and then go to this class, you feel like a freaking brainiac. So then you know everything already, and everyone else is like, "How do you know this?" And you're like, mm, "I'm in combi." <laughs> like... <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like an elitist move, but I feel like, <laughs> I mean, like. We get to learn that so early in our programs and we we get to really specialize quickly in ComBio or even just like in ALES courses in general. So it's kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's a really good point. I didn't actually think about how specialized some of these courses are, but that's a cool little subset of knowledge that you get to take.
1: Yeah. Yep. (laughs) You're like... "Hmm." You spent all your time studying genetics and I was out here looking at critters. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely like a
0: good step up to like the bio side. I feel like there's always this like rival- rival-y, rival-y, <laughs> rivalry. Rival. Rivalry. Rivalry. I can't say that word. Rive. I get that. Rive. All. All. You got this. Rivalry. Yeah. Rivalry. So yeah. rivalry uh, hey, it's bi- a Friday. <laughs> um, yeah, with bio side kids. So yeah, it's a good step up.
1: Yeah. Score yeah. up,
2: BioSide listeners, of which there are zero.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm actually flying the white flag. <laughs> <laughs> Unity will bring us all together. Yeah, Peace. that is fair. Like... That is a good point. Yes,
2: that's true. <laughs> yeah, so you you went through your undergrad, and then now you're currently doing your master's.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm in Mark Poche's lab, uh, named the Fisheries and Aquatic Conservation Lab. Super long name, but... It's very, it's what we do. So, um, yeah, I'm in the Master of Science program, also specializing in conservation biology. It took it one step further. Um, But I'm studying Chinese mystery snail, which is a really, really awesome critter. And I could talk about it for like at least an hour, if not more, like an hour (laughs) minimum. Um, But yeah, so I'm studying Chinese mystery snail, which is like a recent introduced species. and like, I mean, I could call it an invasive, but that's kind of a controversial topic, and I don't feel comfortable calling it invasive yet, because I don't know if it's like impacting the ecosystem negatively. But yeah, so I'm studying their effects on food webs, and I have the very special opportunity to work with stable isotopes, which like sounds like I should be a NASA when I say that kind of thing. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm using stable isotopes, so it's been a blast, and lots of field work so
2: <laughs> that's pretty cool and you're you're almost done
1: yeah I am hopefully gonna finish and I'm gonna say may but it might go longer than that I'm I'm just setting a deadline for my own like ADHD brain <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, totally focus okay. on that <laughs>
2: yeah and uh do you have any idea what's next or are you just gonna kind of chill and go with the flow
1: oh well 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 you asked me a very good time <laughs> oh. um, Yesterday, I just, like, submitted my PhD application. Kate, that's what I thought.
0: For some reason, I thought Marissa said you were going for your PhD or something, so. Yeah, Yeah. so,
1: okay. Um, Initially, I was invited to roll up in my, like, program to a PhD, but that kind of, like, set my wheel spinning. I was like, hmm, do I want to do my PhD? Like, I don't know. I kind of really like just the working life and being in the field 24-7 forever. Yeah. (laughs) But... But yeah, that set my wheels spinning. So I started kind of shopping around and like really thinking about what I'm like passionate about, and where I like the direction I more want to take my work. Um, a lot of people just call your master's like a stepping stone. So like if you can do your master's on something you're passionate about, but maybe it's not like your main end goal, so then your PhD you can use that. But yeah, so I started shopping around and I fell on a cool like lab that I really am interested in, and so. I don't want to jinx it by saying it, but, <laughs> it's totally fair. Um, but yeah, it would be studying, um, birds and different kind of forest harvest and how it impacts them. So I'm really excited about that, but
2: that's yeah, we'll super see cool.
0: how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> that's so exciting.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm
0: sure it'll that. pan I'm out. Excited. That's
2: cool. Looking forward to yeah, hearing and- what the outcome is there. <laughs>
1: Thank you. you. You're doing. (laughs) Am I allowed to ask questions back to you guys? Like, oh God, (laughs) sure. I don't know. You don't have to add it. It's just for conversation, you know. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Great point. Of course. Cuz Christine, you're doing your masters now, right? You got accepted uh, into no. a program? No, I was like, this no, is news
2: see- to be. Yeah, <laughs> no. So I'm running the field unit for my lab right now for the next like year Sweet. or so cuz we're kind of in a big staff transition. Um so I I'm kind of putting it off for a year. But I am talking about different I'm talking about different topics with my PI right now, so We'll see where it goes, but I have a general idea of what I want to do, so I just need him to get his shit together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, classic. It is a classic. (laughs) Yeah. Okay,
0: so one of the questions, I just, I wrote it down so I I didn't forget, (laughs) but what I wanted to ask you is, um, what's something that you've realized that undergrad did not prepare you for for your master's? Mm. Sorry to completely... Take the conversation away <clears> from <throat> where. We- no, this no, is a that's really a- good point to ask okay. that.
1: That's a really good question. I think undergrad doesn't prepare you for like the amount of preparation that you need to do to get into the field. I think if I had jumped right from my undergrad straight into my like masters, I would have kind of been hooped. Like I think I would have been overwhelmed with stress a little bit. So that's, like, one thing that I think undergrad doesn't prepare you for is, like, the logistical planning portion. So, like, for your field work, what what equipment do you need? What kind of equipment do you need if your first line of defense of equipment fails yeah. you? And, like, you're in the middle of nowhere. And, like, what are you going to do? What happens if, like, your waders spring a leak and you're e-fishing and, like, you're silly and you only brought one pair of waders? <laughs> like, yeah, wow. There's, like, a lot of things, or even just, like, Oh, another one, if if you want to really get crazy, is human interaction. Like, sure, yeah, yeah, you, like, talk to people every single day, but you're in the middle of the bush, and this, these, like, random people come up on you. Like, undergrad does not prepare you for, like, the fear of humans in the wild versus, like, the fear of wildlife. Like, field school will go over, like, oh, maybe you should bring bear spray and, like, learn how to use your compass to get out of the bush, but... <laughs> I'm always scared of people like field work is awful when people come up behind you and scary or like out of nowhere especially as like as like a woman a woman in the field like that's horrifying to me
2: yeah that is a really good point we
0: we always kind of felt that too in our field season we were like yeah we're just two like young girls like out in the middle of nowhere and if something happens we're we're screwed yeah
1: there's like there's a quite a bit of like, um, I don't know, anger or contention. I don't know the, the word of this emotion, but like when you're out there and you're like repping like an environmental logo, whether it be like university or like an environmental consulting company or government, there's so much like anger sometimes towards you, even though you're not the person making policy decisions. You're just the biologist out there trying to collect I don't know, plants and soil and whatever. And there's, like, people who come up to you and be like, I've had a problem for, like, the past six months, and so no one's getting back to me about this. You know, like, there's nothing I can do. I'm just <laughs> I'm no. here to, like, get some fish out of the lake. Yeah, <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. There is – it's kind of wild out there. but Yeah, there is
2: a crazy <laughs> amount of animosity towards, like, fisheries workers. In particular, mm-hmm. like, people – in the backwoods sometimes aren't necessarily, like, environmental people's biggest fan. Um, but yeah. fisheries especially, you guys can kind of wind up in some dangerous situations just because people are, like, you know, not to generalize, but sometimes people can be really, really ignorant and shitty. And there was one story oh, yeah. from a biologist. I can't remember his name, but he went to a, a town hall and he came out and there were bullet holes in his truck. And, like, you mm-hmm. never hear that happening to bird people. <laughs> like, it's pretty no. crazy. <laughs>
1: bird people are, like, generally like respect it. like for example if I go for a bike ride and I see someone using their binos on the side of a range road I stop I'm like hey what are you looking at yeah. and they're like I don't know what this is and they're like do you know what this is and I'm like yeah that's a pileated woodpecker <laughs> and they're like oh my god you rock like, <laughs> and, and like but then you're fishing, and they're like, oh, this is not how you... Like, this lake is dead. There's no fish in here. Like, the government has totally screwed this lake. And you're like, I don't know. It's the government's fault that this lake has no fish in <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <but."
2: laughs> is it maybe the chance that you fish this thing to death? <laughs> just yeah, to or, like,
1: the amount of just pollution running into it, making it totally, like, uninhabitable to the fish species or any aquatic species. Totally.
2: <laughs> Damn.
1: So how would
0: you, like... Uh, or I guess, how did you, like, navigate those situations when they occurred?
1: You just have to, for me anyways, I'm sure it's, like, different for everybody. But for me, I've always been avoid conflict at all costs. Like, I am one to talk big talk about, like, oh, I totally defend myself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But, like, <laughs> um, but when you're actually out there, it's, like, kind of like your fight or flight reflex kicks in. And for me, it's always been, like flight but also try to talk it out first <laughs> like, yeah. yeah um for example i was out there like even just in august um my last field partner um tiana shout out tiana you rock um <laughs> <laughs> she said she'd listen to this Aww. um uh, we were out there in this like i don't know who he was he was nice after but he rips up and we're it's just us two on the side of this lake trying to do kick samples so that's where you like go in with a a net that's shaped like a D and you go in and you kick the sediments up and then scoop it up and then you can like count your bugs later and (laughs) um, that kind of stuff. So we're out there with our little nets um, (laughs) and this guy rolls up and kicks up this giant dust cloud because we are in Southern Alberta and it's like Dust Bowl City down there. So there's dust everywhere. It's like we were smoke bombed and it's very much like kind of scary because it's super windy too and you can't hear them and they can't hear you at this point because we're kind of like behind like this tree, little like, I don't know, little tree thing and we're hiding and I pick up a rock in self defense and we start walking towards him because we're like, maybe if we like approach him first, it won't be as scary for us. So we just go walk up to him and he ended up talking to us for like a while and like kind of complaining about why the, the boat launches are blocked off and why like the fishing limits are so low. And we're like, we don't know, like we're just university students, like we're not in control of like harvest and everything and honestly just talking it out he was really kind of like scary at the beginning kind of confrontational mm-hmm. but you just talk it out with them for me anyways and it seemed to work out but there's other situations like for us I think it was different that time so it's like one guy versus two girls like my movie would have a chance but um there's other times when you're just by yourself and someone approaches you like if your field partner leaves you for a bit and that's, that's kind of scary too, but then you just have to be like, oh yeah, my field partner is right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I don't know, that's like definitely more scary, like uh, my friend and I will go cross-country skiing sometimes in the dark, and we're like, don't say the P's or the G's, like don't say you saw the P's or the G's, meaning like the people or the ghosts, because like, <laughs> those are the scary things, not the wildlife, and like there could be moose, and like, totally destroy us at like 6 p.m at night when it's dark right now but yeah (laughs) that's I'm gonna use that one that's that's really good (laughs) yeah (laughs) I hate
0: that that's like I found that that's such a common fear like amongst a lot of my like girlfriends and stuff is like we Mm want to go like hiking by ourselves and stuff but we're like what if there's men you know like Yeah. yeah like and I know that's not like all men of course right like mm-hmm. i love my boyfriend and i love my dad <laughs> but like you never yeah. know right and i just yeah i wish i don't know why 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 is it like that
2: you know it's it's I, always it's like, such a weird kind of dichotomy because yeah. it's like mm-hmm. yeah not all men are like that but every single woman i have ever talked to has a story and mm-hmm. i think that's mm-hmm. the main problem and i've definitely felt mm-hmm. that like we've been in the field out in the middle of Alberta and up north it's a bit less of an issue because you never see anybody but like mm-hmm. some dude rocks up and they're like hey what are you doing and you're like oh god like, please leave me alone mm-hmm. just go away and yeah. so that's that's a yeah. pretty real fear and that's mm-hmm. that can yeah. be a tough one to overcome but I think your approach of like okay well they know we're here, let's get at them first and kind of take control of the situation Mm -hmm. is a really, really good way to Mm de-escalate. So I think that's that's a really good piece of advice that people should take forward from you.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know, is it like similar to you guys, but like I'll walk away from a human interaction and just like compartmentalize it and be like that that didn't actually happen but then you have like a run-in with wildlife and like later on you're telling it to your friends and you're like that was really fun and awesome wasn't it and like (laughs) meanwhile like you almost died yeah (laughs) totally totally we have done that all
0: all the time time. yeah it's that's i've never thought of it that way it's
2: very
0: true
2: yeah that's a good one Mm-hmm. um so yeah that's kind of your <laughs> otis sorry my is dog, a dog. <laughs> he
0: really wants to play so he keeps like nudging us and putting Aww. his ball at our feet hi, buddy. it's pretty cute uh
2: oh otis has He's arrived there he is cute. um
1: hi guy. the third the third of ECSA chits and chats. <laughs> yes. yeah, This
2: Little King Otis. <laughs> yes. So that's kind of your your educational pathway. Um, between all of that, you must have had some field seasons. Uh, do you kind of want to go through that chronologically and talk about kind of the advancements? Because everybody's first field job is always like chaotic. Um, but then you graduated to running your own project, so that's a pretty cool pathway to follow. So talk about it.
1: Okay. Well. <laughs> I think I was listening to your like one of your last podcasts and Olivia was like the marathon of applying for things like it really starts in January. And I was like, yeah, relatable. So like my <laughs> first field job, like I freaking hustled. I sent out so many cover letters, so many resumes tailored to each job, like it took so much time. And, like, that year, it just, like, was the year everyone seemed to be applying to the same jobs. I remember talking to friends and being like, yo, did you apply to this? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, great. (laughs) Competition. Like, like, not competition, because I'm going to be happy for you if you get it, but, like, competition that we have, like, very similar experience. And, like, it's going to be very, like, pull a little name out of a hat to pick who got hired. But, yeah, so my first field season, I was working for Wagner Natural Area, which is West of Edmonton, maybe, like, 40 kilometers outside of Edmonton, like, if you went from city center. Okay. But Wagner National Area, I love that place. I got to work there, um, my first field season, so that was, what, like, my second, like, the year, the field season before I graduated, so that was awesome. I wish I started applying for jobs relevant to my work before then, but, um, yeah, First field season, awesome. There was like so much responsibility. I think it was just because it was like not for profit. So they like rely totally on like volunteers and like that kind of stuff. So I was out there and my supervisor, he says, Look, I'm going to train you on how to ID birds by sound. And then you're going to go out there for all of breeding season. So that's like mid May to like mid June. You're going to go out there do that all by yourself. Oh (laughs) my gosh. (laughs) So that's like kind of spooky because it was super close to like a city. So there was always like you'd find like random beer bottles and stuff and just like walking out there by yourself at like four in the morning. Yeah. Kind of scary. But really awesome and fun, like there was one morning this like nice little deer, I was watching him and then suddenly he goes and like tries to like fight me. I'm like, dude, okay, I'm just not gonna go to this site. Like you're (laughs) angry. And that's the (laughs) that's the first time I ever had like a deer encounter. Like a violent deer. Yeah, event, that is the first time I
2: have ever heard of a violent deer yeah. encounter.
1: <laughs> it scared me. I turned around and I just like started running, just like a white-tailed deer would. Like if I had a little white tail to like flash, I would. <laughs> <But laughs> I ran, and then not only that, he had me in charge of doing like the auditory amphibian surveys. So I did that all by myself too, which oh was like God. wild because I was out there at midnight. Oh, which brings me around back circle circle back to the human encounters i'm super lucky because that night i brought my boyfriend and i was like yo you want to go do some amphibian stuff and he was like yeah sure and this guy is an engineer so this is like not his (laughs) (laughs) like he's good at being outside and stuff i am not gonna like say he's not but he was he's good at it so we were out there and so basically wagner natural area like borders other landowners' properties and they're all farmers out there so i was out there with my little headlamp and like the guy must have thought i was canvassing his yard to try to steal his horses or something oh shit so he rips out with his f350 and like shines a light in my face he's like what are you doing out here and like i was so scared like it might have just been like how young i was inexperienced i was but like i just couldn't talk like it's like i was choked i was so scared So thank God my boyfriend was there because he was like, we're just doing, like, frog service, dude. Like, (laughs) holy
2: shit. What did that guy think was going to come out of that? I should drive at her at top speed with high beams on and then scream at her, I'll get an answer out of this.
1: It was so scary. And then, like, after that, I brought friends every single time because I was like, I can't do this by myself anymore. Like, it's too high stress. Um, And there was also no, like, check-in protocol, really, because, like... Mm. NGOs slash like not for profit yeah (laughs) don't have those kind of systems in place and I didn't know better back then either so people who are trying to get into their field seasons and new employers make sure you have check-ins safety check-ins because that's really important because awful things could have happened to me out there but really fun learning experience and after all of the reckless field work by myself not knowing any better I started doing plant surveys with Derek Johnson which was, like, an incredible learning experience to learn from someone so knowledgeable. Like, I don't think I memorized so many, like, six-liter, like, acronyms for, like, the Latin binomial for plants before. Like, that was insane. Totally, yeah. And I got to learn a lot about um, permanent sample plots, which apparently are really awesome because they're surveyed every five years, or they should be surveyed every five years. So then it's, like, really cool because you can see, like, the change in plant diversity over the years or, like, if if dry species that like dry environments start to like really thrive in those spots, you know, like your area is drying out. So it was important at Wagner Natural Area cause they are, a, that whole area basically relies on groundwater um, cause they are a fen. So they don't have like any flowing water really. Everything's groundwater fed. So like to see the ecosystem change over however many, I think they were doing it for 25 years at that point was pretty cool. Like Derek would be like, oh my God, like this plant wasn't here last, five years ago like that's insane and i'd be like wow like okay real time like climate change effects happening totally. yeah that's like <laughs> research in action like yeah it was also like pretty neat because it he it's not like tested yet and I it's purely speculation but he was like there's a lot of industrialization happening to the south and spruce grove on one side expanding eastward towards wagner natural area so it's like it kind of cuts off a lot of the groundwater flow Especially if it, like, also goes between, I think it's Big Lake, like, right by Lois Hole. Mm-hmm. And, like, if that cuts the water flow off, too, then was Wagner Natural Area, which is a, one of the most, like, central Albertan fens, is that going to dry out? Like, it's pretty oh cool. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. No. It's, yeah. They have Tamarack there. Highly recommend in October. So beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Close to home. Don't have to drive all the way to Banff.
2: No (laughs) kidding. crowds of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. get some space on your own. (laughs)
1: Okay, then next field season, I guess like in between then, I also interned for Edmonton Area Land Trust using Skip. I don't know if that's still an intern program.
2: No, um, they axed it a couple of years ago. shit that sucks
1: shout out to kenny yeah (laughs) not in a friendly way that's really too bad yeah
2: yeah it was horrible that's how i got funded for one of my internships
1: yeah where you had bbo yeah yeah nice damn nice yeah yeah that was that was such a good learning experience because they did the same thing with me like i had to do for ealt i was doing aru transcription so i got to go through like 250 recordings as still in a little undergrad totally transcribing all these birds and like i remember going to my friends also and being like what kind of bird is this it sounds like a pig what the heck turns out it's just an american coot, and ever (laughs) since then i can't look at coots without thinking like you're a little piggy (laughs) oh no (laughs) so like that was huge confusion for a while because i was like i don't know what this is that is such a weird sounding like animal what is going on anyway Fast forward, graduated, and then got hired. Okay, networking tip. Go to conferences. Yes. <laughs> I went to the, U, uh, what is it, U of A, or Alberta Chapter of the Wildlife Society Conference. It was in Canmore that year.
2: I remember and... walking drunkenly across a crosswalk with you while yeah. we were nerding out over birds. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, it was sick. I remember you vividly. And then for some reason, we ended up at, like, a weird bar and ate some fries together. Yeah,
2: it was fucking great. And I remember thinking, like... (laughs) That was so fun. This is the first time I've interacted with
1: Megan, and she's
2: fucking rad. (laughs) This is awesome.
1: I feel like we had been in, like, situations together before, but, like, never talked to each other.
2: Never really said anything. Despite the fact that our interests are in birds and overlap so much.
1: (laughs) And, like... It was a little baby shyness. That's <laughs> yeah, totally. anymore. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. So networking, go network, meet people, because that's how I got my first like official out of school job, um, working for Golder Associates, which I think was bought out by WSP right now. But same thing, like, dope. Highly, I recommend working for them or at least working for consulting once in your life just to get like a sense of what it is, because. I think if you're super passionate and if you go into it, you benef- you're you benefiting that, like, realm of work, the industry, so much because I think not to, like, put down people who've been in it for years, but I think a lot of people, like, over time maybe lose that passion mm-hmm. and aren't, like, they aren't their imaginations aren't being sparked by nature, you know? They're always in these, like, destructive areas where construction is, like, taking over the environment and you kind of, like you have to kind of compartmentalize and be like, okay, like, I can't, I can't cry about wildlife right now. I have a job to do. Oh. So I think if you go into it right away, you're like, you're really helping that field because you're going in there, little greenhorn, happy <laughs> as heck, you're like pointing out everything. You're like, we got to protect this. And I think that's like what's lacking in consulting and why like a lot of people are like, oh, consulting was sad. I'm like, no, we just need happy people <laughs> and like passionate people, like, Um, So I got to work for them. It was, like, it was an eye-opener. Like, I got to go to Fernie and do grizzly bear surveys and breeding bird surveys. And, like, it was super fun. Like, I think it was a little bit depressing. Like, I definitely, like, went back to camp at night and cried for, like, an hour about, like, the the mining that was going on because they would just blast the mountains and it was would be just so sad like I know it's their job and their livelihood and they're bringing money home for their families too but from our perspective it's just very very sad when you know like oh I just saw like a northern goshawk in this area and then the next day like that mountain's gone like it's a little it's a little (laughs) it's heartbreaking and like um I just think there's not a lot of awareness about it either because you you drive into these areas and you see the mountains. You're like, wow, this is this is really beautiful. And then Mm -hmm. like you drive 30 minutes north of Fernie and you're like, shit, like, (laughs) yeah, not a lot of people know about like what's going on. If you're driving to Sparwood, you're like, I'm going to go see the giant like truck. In the in the town, like oh, a tourist truck. Oh,
2: <laughs> yeah, it is a big but. bummer. I remember hearing about um, kind of that green buffer that you have along highways. Mm-hmm. You drive to Banff, you drive to Jasper. There's, you know, in that stretch of the highway before you get in your national parks, there's these mm-hmm. huge, beautiful, old trees, and you just feel like you know you're driving on this little narrow strip of a highway. But then, like, a kilometer back, it's full clear cuts, and it's mm-hmm. a cut block, and they just log away, and it's this kind of dissonance okay. method that they oh, use yeah. where people see that little green buffer, and they think, oh, this is untouched nature. It's protected. But it's then, like greenwashing in a sense. Exactly. That's exactly oh, yeah. what it is. And it's like this, I don't know if I would call it malicious, but it's not great either.
1: No. Um, but it's Honest, just a way to
2: kind of bypass yeah. that public perception of what your industry is actually yeah. doing.
1: Oh, yeah, it's totally just a cop out to say, like, oh, we're doing we're doing good by the environment. Yeah, we are. We are stewards for the environment that we extract non-renewable resources out of. But uh, (laughs) like, um, it's a little sad. Um, (laughs) I
0: think you raise a a really great point, though, because honestly, even just last night i was like reading this book that was all about like um like the alberta tar sands and stuff and Mm -hmm. like reading it i was just like i never want to go into like a job that's like rooted in industry right like because a lot of our job Mm -hmm. opportunities can come from that and i was like i just you know like it is very volatile or it can be very volatile and at the same time i don't want to be like supporting them in that way but like i think you Mm -hmm. bring a really great perspective that like no like we need to be supporting them in that way like we are Mm -hmm. the people that actually are like the ones that can like help get things changed Mm -hmm. alongside like a lot of other people so yeah i think that's like a really like thank you for sharing because that totally like (laughs) just within 24 hours like i've just had a 360 of like what i think of consulting so
1: well i'm glad like nature needs advocates and like we can't we can't just be beating around the bush to protect nature like we really like um, I don't know if you guys know Lou Carvin, but he like recently started using the term shin kickers around me regarding like people like David Schindler, or David Suzuki, who have fought like really hard for environmental protection. Like we need more shin kickers in the world to protect our environments. And we have to speak up for it. Otherwise, like nothing's going to be done if we just go to work every day and we, we live business as usual, like nothing's going to change, you know, like if you just go to for consulting, you have to do like an assessment of an area and you're just like it is what it is and you're you don't point out things because you think it's going to cause more issues and like more hurdles for the company and like a lot of consulting companies want to meet their quotas and like make sure that they're like working at that cost that they originally set when they did their like auctions or whatever for the job but like (laughs) sometimes like those hoops need to be jumped and like worked through and like we need to talk about the species we're impacting. We can't just write a report and be like, oh, yeah, like nothing was here. Let's just get the job done. Mm-hmm. Like you need people are going to fight for it. Because even though like your bosses and stuff might get mad, they're just they're in their offices writing reports at that time. You know, like, Yeah. <laughs> they're also the ones getting paid a lot more. When you're in the field, you don't get paid as much as the people in the office. <laughs> but that starts to get controversial. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like
0: need a cool down yeah. from that I love that yeah. that's just such an
2: excellent way to phrase it
0: yeah I guess so then oh, yeah cool. can you tell us more about your experience oh with yeah. Consulting? yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, this is great. yeah I'm, I'm also I was like I need a I need a mental cool down from yeah. Too, Christine. Um, uh, yeah so like after I worked for Golder for almost like just under a year and that was that was a lot. That was, like, 30 days in the field, four days off, get back in the field. What? They, like, Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Excuse me. me. <laughs> <laughs> so. We thought our 10-day shifts were bad. <laughs> oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. I, like, I yearn for a 10-day shift. Like, that is the dream. <laughs> like, I wish. Oh, my God. But, like <laughs> – <Damn>. um, <laughs> But they would, like – it was pretty cool. They sent me to um, – Fort St. John and just like the little towns around there to do work I guess for Coastal GasLink which I don't know if I can get in trouble by them by talking about it I don't know what the rules are they made me sign some kind of contract but anyways they probably won't listen to this <laughs>
2: <song>. <laughs> we won't tell them um,
1: <laughs> um so I got to go up there and go to Chetwind and it was so dope and I got to work with an indigenous participant Brian who was so awesome I learned so much from him and like to this day, I see like crows and I think, um, what was he calling it? A Northern Eagle or something like <laughs> that. And I was like, yes, that's exactly like, I'm gonna think about that forever now. Cause you just like, this was um, like a major po- point in my timeline. I'm gonna remember it forever. Like working with him was amazing. Like if you ever have the chance, if you're not indigenous to work with someone who's indigenous and learn from them and like make an effort to learn their the impacts on their like communities amazing like totally there was a few like societal issues that he brought brought me up to like um what's it brought me up to the level of yeah brought me up to speed (laughs) and like talking about that and like it's really hard for like indigenous people in those communities that have like mining or like coal extraction whatever coastal gas link. Like, it's hard for people in those communities to like thrive like there's a lot of inequalities I think and like the if the only way for them to make money is by working for these like companies that will eventually exploit their lands like we kind of talked about that and it was really heartbreaking to be out there because you're walking like 11 kilometers through hip waist snow and he's pointing out things that like he remembers growing up like seeing as a kid with his like grandpa or something and I'm like this is sucky because we're walking through area that's going to be clear cut after we give a clear that there's no grizzly bear denning here like
2: yeah it was
1: like it was pretty sad and like that guy I hope he's still doing good because like he was awesome and like was always so happy to see me and like it was great so that was a great experience um I still I'm going to remember every single detail of that and then there was a few experiences with bears, which I know has been talked about a lot, but bears are effing scary. Oh <laughs> my god. Like, oh, like, I, I, maybe it's contrary to, like, popular belief, but, like, black bears are so much more scary and balding yes! than a grizzly bear. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh my <Okay>. god! Yes. <laughs> I always think, too. <laughs> I'm so happy, you guys, are great Holy thing. fuck
2: black bears, they are, are terrifying. terrifying.
1: Yeah. They're so scary, like, I was up north in the, Cold Lake Air Weapons range with um, my friend Brad and we were doing, I don't know, I think we were out there getting remote cameras. Like we we're just trying to retrieve them. So we had to like go everywhere with our Argo. So we're argoing through Ba, we're Argoing through like really dense black spruce stands that are like all dead and dry and like like just skewers sticking out everywhere, ready to stab you. But anyway, so we're going down this cut line and this like black bear on frickin' stairways, like the size of a beetle, like a Volkswagen beetle. Like <laughs> he lumpers into the cutlet line and brad and i are like oh shit what the fuck do we do (laughs) like we're in an argo that maybe tops out at 25 (laughs) kilometers an hour but we're going through we're trying to drive over sphagnum moss so there's like there's nothing like we're gonna get stuck like every five seconds are going backwards because we had to reverse out of there we're going like getting stuck and then this bear like squares up with us at that point it's like i don't know maybe half a kilometer away from us and like i remember pulling out my phone to take a picture of it to send my mom later and be like look how close i was just... to a black bear mom. <laughs> 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 but then like shit turned like sideways so quickly and i was driving and i just remember thinking uh fuck my life like this is not where i wanted to die today <laughs> oh so black bear starts like walking towards us and i go to brad and i'm like what happens if he charges us? Like, bear spray is not gonna work against an angry bear, like in the middle of nowhere. And we, by the time he recovers from bear spray, he's gonna be back on us. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's what's like what's going on in my mind at that point. And like, so I'm driving. Brad pulls out the Pulaski, so the big like fireman axe with the point on the end and he has an air horn in his other hand and i remember him screaming like backwards faster anyways this oh my god this a-hole bear who like bless his heart very cute just doing bear <laughs> things runs up to us and just like stands in front of the argo like like huffs at us like stands and then he just runs away and it was like a blink of an eye like oh my oh god my goodness, I was sick.
0: and like, your life like flashes before your eyes yeah, yeah.
1: It was, like, the situation was dealt with before it began. Like, it was done. Oh, my gosh. Sorry.
2: (laughs) She has a bird clock.
1: (laughs) I love that. That's your seven o'clock bird? Yeah. It is
0: the uh, song sparrow.
2: It's very exciting.
1: What a a
0: cool
2: intermission to this deeply terrifying story. Yeah, damn.
1: And, um... Yeah, so like we, we walked out of that and then we decided to go do another site and like to to go to this site we had to park our Argo and then we were doing an above ground pipeline like walk. So you basically walk where this pipeline will go in the future to, to see if there's like specific animal tracks or dens and like things that should be known before someone puts a pipeline in. So we're walking and it's an eleven kilometer back and forth. So we leave the argo there and like (laughs) i left my backpack there my like beautiful fox racing pink helmet and (laughs) left it all there and like i don't have any snacks in my backpack i had one of those waterproof bags which like in my head i was like oh that's airtight like that's gonna work um but i had like sunscreen in there which like sunscreen attracts bears i should have like that should have been like something that i thought of but in the moment i was like it's 30 degrees i'm so hot and i'm gonna get a burn So we walk this, like, 11-kilometer track, and we get back, and, like, our stuff is everywhere. I swear to God, like, my helmet was, like, 20 feet away. Like, it's like the bear came and like, (laughs) and then I go to get my helmet, and there's claw marks on it and, like, little teeth holes. And I'm, like, where the hell is, like, my extra pair of socks? Where is my sunscreen? Where is my, like, nice waterproof mech bag? What the heck? (laughs) So I'm, like, good. I'm searching brad meanwhile he's like oh nothing happened and i'm like fuck you brad (laughs) (laughs) i'm like good for you like i don't like (laughs) so i like search around i find my sunscreen bottle which was one of those like canned ones that sprays and it looks like the bear had shotgunned it Like, it like a little like a hole and then it was empty, so I, like, imagining it in my head, like, the bear standing up, like, scratching his belly, like, how you'd imagine, like, a classic frat boy, totally. that did it. and like, <laughs> like, like, crick, and then, <laughs> and I, like, I'm just, like, kind of in shock at that moment, and, like, what happened, like, all oh, my stuff's, Anyways, never called our supervisor, we told him when we got back <laughs> to Edmonton, and he was, like, what, and I was, like, yeah, my, my bag's ripped, and he's, like, oh, I'll replace it, but, like, i was like no it's okay and i like felt like such a badass because i had duct taped my bag shut and like it looks cool now and I had like little claw marks and i'm like that's the field bag. oh fuck like, yeah i have that's clout.
2: absolutely <laughs> hey this is my bag it's got bear marks yeah whatever Jesus. i've t- and i've totally said that yeah right? you have to <laughs> also are you it's our field of, technician like... soul sister Just, like, have a deeply terrifying encounter and then not tell your boss. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Just be like, oh, I guess I should tell you this, like, two weeks later. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's like, I don't know, maybe it's because, like, that fear part of our brain shuts down and we're like... Or maybe we're just, like, our brain's like, we should get used to that because that's our life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh,
0: God. (laughs) I also think, like, a part of it, too, is, like, we're just, like, so far from it nowadays, too, that it's, like, I I often think, like, you know... Like, it's good to experience those things and, like, kind of, like, Mm -hmm. sensitize us again to, you know, not buildings everywhere and, like, actually, like, the danger. So, I don't know. Maybe that plays Mm -hmm. a role in it, too. But, fuck, it still Mm -hmm. doesn't, in the moment, doesn't really make anything easier. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, those are, like, my most fun stories from working for Golder. Like, aside from, like, having the awesome opportunity with a consulting company to like hike mountains and get paid for it like yeah. that was so dope um but then after that I was like I'm tired of being in the field ah, let's try something new so I started working with Canadian Wildlife Service as a casual which was super fun because like my friend was also working at the same time so we would have like many a break to talk and it was just like really cool because I think like from our first like year of undergrad when we met we were like yes like our goals to work together one day (laughs) even if it's just for a little like it was really fun and then that ended because like if people don't know like if you're getting on with the government of Canada to work as a casual it's three months max Mm -hmm. um in a year so like you could work like a year like three months in one year and then you'd have to wait like the other month so like sometimes you can line it up to work like the three months before the beginning of a new year and then the three months after so it's like a six months full thing um but yeah so I worked for them for a bit which was really cool um worked for the joint oil sands monitoring project so we were looking at boreal breeding birds and like how different sector effects impact their like numbers kind of thing so that was really fun but it didn't last long enough and then COVID hit and I was like oh my god like I'm never gonna find a job ever like this is awful um but then things kind of just fell in line so I started my master's in the post lab and then that first summer like I didn't actually start my own field work I ended up helping my friend Sebastian with his um last year of like field collection for his PhD which like he's gonna finish soon so that's really awesome for him um but his work was so cool so we were like up near kind of by conklin area like you have to drive the old conklin road like the Logan road do you guys know no the road <laughs> we, yeah oh god, okay god. <laughs> oh my god so we had to like drive this road that like should have really if it was like a nice flat road probably would take us 15 minutes to get to like our end site but like it took us like an hour if not more to get there with our like truck loaded up and like the big heavy boat with like 12 like jugs of gasoline for for like just we needed it so like we had so much gasoline um but like that project was so fun because like sebastian for his project was using hydroacoustic surveys so at night we'd go out like middle of the night um you have to start your surveys like right after sundown And you go out and you basically drive transects going five kilometers an hour in your boat across the lake. And you have to do like spaced out transects and basically snake your way down the lake. And the hydroacoustic drums that you like attach to your boat will send little sound waves down the bottom of the lake. And then they bounce off the bottom. And when they're trying to come up, they will hit like fish or whatever else is floating in the water. And there's like specific, I think I'm probably like explaining this in a really bad way, um, So, like, Sebastian, if you're listening to this ever in the future, please don't get mad. (laughs) But, um, it, like, the different, like, waveforms can tell you and, like, inform you what species are in there, so it's kind of, like, a non-lethal way of doing species counts for fish in lakes, because the alternative method is basically, like, using gill nets and using lethal, like, methods to see, like, oh, how many, what's the catch per unit effort to see how many fish are in this lake, yada, yada, yada. So, like, He was trying, I think part of his project was to see the efficacy of using that Mm. um, and how well it works in northern lakes, at least. Um, And then in the day, like, unfortunately, also be gill netting because we needed the otoliths, which are like the ear bones in fish, basically. And so you can like sand them down and you can count the rings in them like a tree, like a tree cookie, and you can count the rings just the same. And um, you can see how old the fish was. So, like, that's really, like, the only reliable method of aging a fish. And for his project, he needed to age fish. Um, so that was really, really cool because I had never, like, before then, like, dissected fish other than, like, for cooking reasons, you know? Yeah. So, like, I think that summer we maybe dissected, like, in the field, like, 600 or something fish. Like, it was something oh, insane. And, like, a really cool experience. We are catching all sorts of fish. White sucker are the best Fish.
2: This Um, is what I keep hearing from everyone. (laughs) Everyone loves white suckers.
1: They're so cute. Everyone listening, look up white sucker. Look at their little puppy eyes. Like it is so damn adorable. I actually I saw your drawing on
0: your page of like the white sucker. uh, I was like, actually that is a cute fish. Yeah, it's pretty cute.
1: (laughs) I would I would sacrifice myself for a white sucker if it needed my help. I would totally like go and help it. Oh, I I love that.
0: that's i had no idea that that was like a method for like counting fish and hydroacoustics
1: um i think it's because hydroacoustic equipment is just like so expensive and like to maintain it and make sure it's good like you need to buy expensive things to keep it safe like the giant pelican cases and those are like pretty expensive so it's like also easy very very easy to break and like you need quite a bit of training on like analyzing the data too once you get it back because you basically you have like a big screen and you look at like the waveforms on the screen, so I think you it's just like a tedious thing and it's so much easier to just go out and be like I'm gonna kill net.
0: Yeah. So, damn. Yeah. Um, and you guys had to do that at night.
1: Why did you have to do it at night? The hydroacoustic surveys need to be done at night because I I believe that's when fish movement is more frequent Um. i don't know i might have to like check that but i think that's when fish movement is more frequent so you'll see them moving to areas all together and like all the like specific movement patterns so like that's another thing with hydroacoustics you can see where are the fish moving to because another part of his project was looking at the compensation lakes so like horizon lake and stuff like the man-made lakes and seeing like are are they useful are they working um but anyways, that was like such a cool project to help on. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. My gosh.
0: I I don't know. I that, it just makes me think like we get the, like the coolest jobs. You know what I mean? Like, who else gets to oh do my God, this kind yeah. of stuff?
1: <laughs> I know it's like it's hard because like my friends who love hiking and stuff will be like, how do you get into this? Like, I want to do it. I'm like, unfortunately, like deg- a degree, yeah, <laughs> like, or a or a like diploma from Nate. Like one of those. Like you need to. That's how you get in, because like you're gonna have to if you went in and tried to apply now, you'd be fighting for all of us who are like so passionate exactly. <laughs> like have been in it for so long. We're like, please, like we're in here, like choose yeah, us. Exactly. Then, yeah. I yeah. Now I and then it started working on my Chinese mystery snail project more, which is so cool. Um so I'm a, I was about to butcher the Latin binomial, Sepango Paladina chinensis. Extremely long name. Not a Harry Potter spell, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was because that'd be so fun if I could just like manifest snails around me.
0: But, um, <laughs> so. I feel like you're one of the very few people who would say that.
1: <laughs> that is a brand new no, sentence. Let me give me like a few minutes and I'm going to make you fall in love with the Chinese okay. mystery snail because Preparing. even though they're potentially invasive. They're so freaking cute. Okay, so first off, they grow bigger than your, like, smaller native snails. So, like, Chinese mystery snail already take away that effect of, like, a lot of small things bundled together trying to get at you. It's just one big guy, Okay, Like, that's a lot more manageable. (laughs) So that's the first point of my That's a great point. And (laughs) a (laughs) solid monologue.
0: No, like, truly. I've never thought about how something can be creepy when there's millions, but if there's...
1: Just Mm -hmm. the one. If there's just the one, you're like, I'm... I'm fine yeah. with this. So Chinese mystery snail grow like... They can grow... I'm trying to think of like a good size reference. Maybe like a golf ball or a ping pong ball. That's so big. So they can grow to the size of like a ping pong ball. So like beer pong, imagine you're chucking a snail and <laughs> bouncing off the ta- table instead of a ping pong ball. Oh um, <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Uh, <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, so Chinese mystery snail, that, they grow big. And thirdly, they have like this little shell extension that, like, covers the aperture of their shell and basically seals them in, which is, like, a really cool adaptation. So basically it, like, can keep them alive for so long because it kind of, like, seals in that moisture and, like, protects them from external threats. So, like, if there's someone trying to, like, chemically manage them by putting some kind of chemical in the water, they can just be like, yo, there's something in the water, and then they seal that shell shut! And they're like, I'm fine. (laughs) Like, nothing's gonna get me out of here. But everything else will die, and I'm the survivor on top. So, um, Chinese mystery snail? Badass. They can also survive out of water for, like, nine weeks, which... What? Try to wrap your mind around that. Nine weeks out of water? Like, and humans can't even live for, like, what is it? Three days without water? Like, pretty sure these snails are better than us. What Um, in the hell? they (laughs) They can also... They basically grow their babies inside of them. So, like, if you think of snails, you're usually like, oh, snails are just going to lay eggs. No. These snails will grow their babies inside them, shells and all, and then if they're threatened or at any random moment, they just, like, spurt a bunch out. So, like, then you'll have tiny little Chinese mystery snails vibing. They're like, yeah, like, we made it. (laughs) And... um, And they're so cute like they come out and they have little little hairs on their shell like just really tiny ones like imagine like a snail with a mohawk that runs along the ridges of their shell super wow. cool that's punk uh, rock yeah they are punk rock they're so cool uh, what else can I tell you? They look so cute when they're underwater. I'll have to send you guys yes, pictures later. Yeah. I can even But, um, they like use their operculum, like the door that seals their shell as kind of like a slip and slide or like a crazy carpet. Like it acts like a hydrofoil so they can move through water way easier than like other snails. Like they just kind of, they glide along and they're just like, like they put their front little thingies out and they like use that, like the front of their foot to kind of push them through but they use this shell door as like a a glider so that's really cool and they have their little tentacles sticking out so they're just like woohoo I'm in the water and like when you're looking underwater with an aquascope you can barely like tell snail from rock because periphyton will grow all over them so then they just look like the rock and they're super good at disguise so they're so sorry I'm so passionate about these little guys like fish don't really eat them like I've been doing gut content like analysis for the past like few months, like sifting through the stomachs of fish I collected throughout the summer, and lake whitefish will always like guaranteed have stomachs full of snails, but never Chinese mystery snail. And like I really do think it's because their mouths can't fit around the shell. So like Chinese mystery snail are kind of like immune to the dangers of a lake whitefish predating on them, which is
0: pretty cool. They have like mastered evolution. Yeah, holy yeah. shit!
1: it's insane. <laughs> yeah. So. Currently, like, the only, the management method used is physical removal, so.
0: Wow. Yeah. Are they, Mm -hmm. like, trending towards
1: invasive, like, being invasive, or do you know? (sighs) Yeah, I think it depends on, like, temperature fluctuations, because sometimes there's mass die-offs, and, like, when a lot of critters get together, there's always disease and, like, breakouts, so if they're not, like, at that happy equilibrium yet, maybe they die off from a weird disease, but I think tentatively without like proper management plans or anything in place and like native species that can't really use them i think they do potentially have the the opportunity to to establish their populations here um i know they have they've like established in nova scotia new brunswick ontario and bc and there's maybe one more newfoundland and labrador so like they're established there but like not other places yet so like fingers crossed they don't become invasive because in other places they have like shown to affect the food web negatively like for example we also have northern crayfish here which I'm sure like a lot of people know are invasive species um or just like introduced range kind of species so like they are native to like the beaver watershed which is near cold lake but they've like spread down through like anglers taking them and like putting them in lakes and parts of like the nsr and south saskatchewan rivers and like just everywhere in southern alberta so like northern crayfish if they are in the same situation as chinese mystery snail like crayfish might be benefiting off the chinese mystery snail being there and like eating them and then having two invasives in one area might be like exacerbating the issue of invasive species so yeah kind of neat very neat (laughs)
0: I was just going to say, I think this might be a great point for that one question.
2: Yes. Okay. We have um, another listener question for you. So you have a vested interest in aquatic life and avian life. Those are two very different yes. kind of <laughs> realms. So one of the questions that we got um, is what advice would you give to undergrads who are really interested in different groups of organisms or fields and are afraid that they're going to specialize in the wrong thing? Like, how would you provide advice for folks with option paralysis or multiple offers?
1: That's a really good question because it's something I've struggled with, like, my entire undergrad, my master's, and, like, everything in between. So, like, in my undergrad, I was, like, really keen on trying to learn everything. And for a bit, I thought I was going to be, like, into botany and, like, hardcore plant girl. Um, but then, like, I tried that out and I was like, maybe that's not for me. So even though I really appreciate and I love it and I'll still use my veg ID like experience later in life like I tried other things and like I think it's important not to put yourself in kind of like a box and think like oh I need to specialize immediately like don't worry about that like try to try a little bit of everything and like try all the flavors (laughs) experience it because it is like Like, never think you're going to pigeonhole yourself. Like, I thought I was going to do it. Like, I'm in... I did my master's in aquatic ecology, and, like, I was so worried that people would just, like, box me into this category of, like, oh, she's just fisheries. But I interviewed with people who studied birds, and, like, they were all really keen on working with me, too. And, like, I think that's really important because people will say like, oh, you're going to master in that. Like why? Like (laughs) why you like have never like shown interest in this before. But like my whole goal of going into fisheries and aquatic science was to like see what that's about. Like you can't, in my opinion, and this isn't like applicable to everyone, but for me anyways, like I've always been curious about everything in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So like, in my opinion, like if you want to make good conservation choices in the future, help like navigate those those issues like it's important to have those big picture like understandings of like well like the trees need the water and like just very broadly like everything like is linked together like you need those things like and that's kind of my mindset for how I was doing like my work experience and like yeah that would be my advice to try everything like don't be afraid of like accidentally specializing in something you don't want to necessarily be in, like those doors are never closing. When you close one door, another door opens. Mm -hmm. Like there's always something there. Like people, people that are going to hire you are not going to say no to you right off the bat just because you've only had experience in one area. They're going to, you are diversity and knowledge. Like coming into a new field with another background is not a disadvantage to you. Like That's a new learning experience.
2: Yeah people do get scared of like pigeonholing themselves um and i don't think you need to be worried about that because exactly like you said the people that you interview with in the future are more interested in you and the experiences Mm -hmm. that you gained from your previous education your previous experience not exactly what it is they're like oh you only have bird work you can only do birds why are you applying to a plant job or why are you applying to a fish job it's who you are and it's your passion and i think understanding the whole ecosystem like you said is such a phenomenal way to approach conservation and i think we have to Mm -hmm. so i really i really like that answer Mm -hmm. and i think it just makes
0: you all the wiser you know like it yeah you can make decisions based off your previous experience and stuff so
1: yeah yeah like just to point out even your experience olivia you've gone from what was it soil cores and like looking (laughs) at that and then you worked with Marissa at Elk Island looking at bison and like I don't remember all your work experience but that's really diverse like you still got to work with bison even though you worked with soils and you worked with I think Ace Lab the year before like you still got to to try different things and like you got an you got an appreciation for people who work in soils. And, like, that's really good because that opens your eyes to that kind of work. And, you're like, that, that's hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that takes a different breed of <laughs> biologists to do that kind of yeah, stuff. Totally. <laughs>
0: and I think, like, a common theme, too, for, like, uh, even when you're just, like, looking at applications and stuff. Like, one of the bullets that I see all the time is, like, a keen willingness to learn. So, it's, like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're always willing to take you on as long as you, like, express interest. Mm-hmm. and like
1: i want to learn this mm-hmm. so like let me learn this <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. yeah never underestimate yourself in like cover letters either really express like don't try to be like that cardboard cutout of someone else like that you know got the job totally. like express yourself and, and, and be that person that's passionate for nature like people will see that if you're being honest in your cover letters people who are reading it are gonna be like wow crap like this person yeah (laughs) like they really want this job because they want that experience Mm -hmm, so totally yeah
2: just be you Mm -hmm.
0: i think yeah this is i guess it's something we talked about in a previous episodes with larissa and she made a great point of like don't be like scared to apply to something if you don't like have all the qualifications and I don't know. That's really like hit me because even right now, like I'm applying for jobs when it's like an asset would be for like aquatic like species experience. And I'm like, I did water quality monitoring. (laughs) There's invertebrates in there. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Right. Like it's yeah.
1: And Larissa's so right. Like I remember even Larissa pushing me To be like i'd say like oh like we'd be sitting in the atrium in ag four i'm like oh man like i'm not qualified for this and i remember her saying like apply anyway like it's fine you'll probably get an interview and i'm like yeah you're right and then i did apply and i did get an interview so like yeah larissa's advice is spot on for that one (laughs) always yeah and uh i remembered what i was
2: gonna say um i think the thing is even if you apply to this job where you're like i don't know what it entails and the absolute worst case scenario is that it sucks Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. it only sucks for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not forever. and if you really don't want that on your resume, you don't have to type it out. And if mm-hmm. it's something that you don't enjoy, it's incredibly temporary and you can still find some good things out of it. but it's so easy to just move on and find something else that you like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these choices that you're making aren't permanent. Mm-hmm. there's they're something that you can <laughs> there's something that you can kind of leverage into the future and now you know not to pursue stuff like that again. So yeah. failures are still wins in oh, yeah. my opinion.
0: Mm -hmm. agreed you know
2: quote unquote failures. yeah exactly
0: (laughs) um i think (laughs) okay one of the other questions (laughs) was how'd you get so cool
1: what (laughs) (laughs) thanks
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) no but truly okay i also wanted to ask you do you like sell
1: your art at all in any shape or form i do yep i do sell my art um I can make prints, I can sell originals. I also do commissions. So like if people are like, "Ah, I really have this cool idea of something." I only paint like wildlife and natural things and I do do pet commissions, but yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so if you have cool ideas, like you can come come to me and I'll be like, "Yes." Yeah, Cuz <laughs> I, I think
0: that's one of the qualities that
2: makes
1: you very cool. <laughs> Absolutely it does. Well, stop. Are you kidding? <laughs> you Are pumping my tires too much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the point we love. It. Yes.
1: Guys are so nice.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> but, I, don't okay. know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. My answer is I don't know. Like it's the people I hang around. Like they leach into mm. me, maybe, and I absorb Aww. their coolness too. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. And it's true though. Yeah. Like if you
1: have a good like friend group or like just even people you work with, like you'll you'll take some of their like qualities too and bring them into the future. So yeah That's
2: so true. <laughs> yeah I mean what are we but products of our community
1: mm-hmm. um okay another question was what's your favorite duck <laughs> um undeniably <laughs> like my favorite duck is the mallard I know pe- birders everywhere are gasping I like, am <laughs> obsessed I'm obsessed with mallards they're so cute like they're also reliable they're always there you've always got a friend and a mallard
0: (laughs) Um, oh my god i feel like that's a great movie title title. oh
1: absolutely (laughs) they're so good like got beautiful colors like i know people like hunt for them and stuff but like come on look at them they're beautiful like and they have the cutest little tail like if you've ever looked at a mallard butt they have that little curl and i'm just like "Oh, oh my god like your curly little tail kills me I'm it's like, like a little Clark Kent butt yeah <laughs> they're so, so cool they're so good and like I have uh one of my old co-workers took a picture of a mallard that I was obsessed with in the field and printed it out for me and so now it's hanging in my my place <laughs> like people oh, I love yeah that. people come here now are like a mallard wow <laughs> well that's how I hope they think of it at least like <laughs> maybe yeah maybe they're like wow the world of mallard's amazing so <laughs> <laughs> they better yeah i think
2: it's so easy to get desensitized to like our local fauna mm-hmm. people are like oh i see mallards all the time like what's special about them like if you looked at a mallard they're fucking precious yeah. get yeah. off your ass come on
0: yeah totally.
1: or like magpies and mm-hmm. ravens. Crawlies. i love magpies <laughs> they're so, so good much they're so their vocalizations
2: <laughs> their tail the shiny they got their cute little eyes oh, god, oh my yeah. god <laughs>
1: they're beautiful when you see them close and they have like that oil slip coloration on their feathers like you're, oh, you're it's amazing beautiful <laughs> right yeah
0: i know i agree yeah <laughs> um okay another one more question i don't know if you have any more but um what has been the most rewarding experience throughout your career oh. thus far
1: Oh, I think my most rewarding experience has been learning from others and, like, opening up my my mind to how other people think. So, I have, like, I found it in my, in the beginning of my undergrad, I was, like, super close-minded, kind of, like, strict vegan, like, all the stuff. Like, if you're not completely, like, renewable, like, you must you must suck, and, like, all this other stuff, but, like, the, <laughs> totally. the the further along, like, you go, like, you, and if you're open-minded, you get to hear so many other people's life experiences, and, like, that has been awesome, like, even going in the field and talking to people, and, like, a big moment for me was going to a work camp, and, like, with the expectations of, like, all the people in these work camps to be, like, assholes to me, because I'm the environmental girl on site, and, like, the only one there, but, like, I actually talked to these people and made the effort to sit with them at their tables and like they were so curious and wanted to talk to me about like have I seen like the grizzly bear and her two cubs and like all this stuff and like kind of it was kind of like a an exchange of experience and knowledge and what they thought was going on and then me telling them what I think's going on and I think that kind of like that was I felt like I was putting my little like mark on the world at that time like just being able to kind of share that passion and and seeing them leave, like, their dinner plates with the HP sauce on the side, like, hopefully leaving them with, like, a little bit of, like, I don't know, more curiosity to where they were working and, like, the nature around them instead of just thinking, like, oh, this is just a place that I work, this is just the muskeg like, you know what I mean? Like, And then just working with like people in the field like as a field technician you get to meet so many other field technicians and kind of learn from them and like what are their passions and you get to take away their little tidbits of knowledge and like move on and with your life and like share their knowledge with other people and it's just like an awesome like spider web of knowledge (laughs) and it's so fun and and just like also reaching out to old biologists that have like really cool experiences and like taking the time To hang out with them and talk with them, that has been like life changing for me. Like being able to talk to like for like Lou Carvin, who's left such an impression on me and his experiences working in Jasper National Park with the wolves and like up north camping in the bush. Like we think our field work is hard. Like he literally lived up there in a tent by himself for like a month and a half tracking (laughs) bison. Like like that is so cool to me and like just being able to hear those different experiences kind of like centers you and like kind of you're like wow like i'm really lucky to be in this field and experience the things i experience and like also have a bed to sleep in every night or like a tent that's like i'm not gonna get trampled by bison in the (laughs) night you know like that has been the best most enriching part of my like experience in this field so far (laughs)
0: That was, like, such a beautiful, heartwarming answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Greek. I mean, I could have said something badass, like, I almost died by a bear, and, like, <laughs> that <laughs> made me so cool. <laughs> like, all this stuff. I don't know. <laughs>
0: like, with your With your duct tape bag. <laughs> yeah, my duct
1: tape bag. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah, no, I think that was a really good, concise, and just, like, really sweet answer. I think acknowledging how much you've grown and how much you've learned and like benefited from those Mm -hmm. around you. That is the big reward in this Mm -hmm. field. and, And I like that story a lot.
1: Yeah. It's like a kind of like goes back to what you guys said in a previous where it's like your peers are not your competition like lift your peers up, cause you're gonna learn from them someday. Yeah. Like totally,
0: they're awesome. Or work for them. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Or maybe one day you'll all be like a bunch of nine-year-olds discussing like your fieldwork together, and like you know, like that's so fun and cool. <laughs>
0: <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more.
2: Yeah. Okay, well, I think we're kind of nearing nearing the end of it. Um, are there any other stories or like anecdotes that you kind of want to go over?
1: Or <laughs> any other, like, last, like, <laughs> advice? I don't know. I feel like I, like, word vomited all my advice on you guys in the past, like, what is it, hour and a bit. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: yeah. No, it's good. That's I the don't know. point.
1: I think maybe this sounds, like, so cheesy, but, like, for everyone who's just kind of getting into your field career careers, like, don't, and just even academia, if you're going, you want to go in your master's and PhD, don't let, like, the, the school part of it kind of bring you down like stay in tune with who you are and like continue to do your hobbies and be yourself don't be don't feel like everyone else you know just do your own thing don't worry about what other people are doing everyone's at different parts in their career just stuff everyone says all the time but like it's so true and like sometimes that needs to be hammered in your head (laughs) Like, (laughs) like totally just because my one friend has done this and this and this doesn't make me less good of good at what I'm living right now. So, I don't know. That's a good reminder, I think, cuz I tell myself that every day. <laughs>
0: Honestly, and I've heard that about you is like you're like this like wizard woman who can like <laughs>
1: do <it. laughs>
0: maybe that was the wrong word but like you have so many things like that you do all the time and you like i don't know like larissa was telling us you made her this beautiful toque and she was like i don't know how she had the time to do this but it's like i don't know you made the time to do it oh my yeah. god so. yeah the,
1: that was like a theme this past summer like i was just bring my knitting stuff into the field <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Oh my my, my hands
1: smelled like fish, and I'm, like, dealing with yarn. It was just kind of disgusting. <laughs> oh, They're oh. very unique.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> essence of fish um, made by my, me.
0: Yep, I think we should fish. title this episode Wizard Woman.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Not your name,
0: Wizard <laughs> Woman.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that, that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's very nice of you guys. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, no, that was...
2: Uh, that was great. Thank you so much yeah, for spending you. the time to come on and talk to us and share your experiences. There was a lot of really valuable stuff that yeah. came out of this one. Yeah. Like, sweet. I got to process this. For a little yeah, I feel like I learned <laughs> like, so much. Oh yeah.
1: I felt really comfortable talking to you guys. Marissa was right with you, Olivia, saying that you're oh. like the nicest person that I'll probably ever meet. And Christine, honestly. Fact. I've loved chatting oh with you like every single time I've seen you so like including the times you've like randomly dropped in on the lab (laughs) like uh, you were a very pleasant distraction from like the usual tedium of being in the lab and like dissecting things (laughs) so (laughs) thank
2: you well that's fun I'll you know if we wind up going back in person I'll be sure to stop by and stare at your snail trail a bit more but uh (laughs) yeah that was good I feel very educated and uh you know, I got some got some hope again for the future. So I sincerely <laughs> appreciate all of the all of the things that you took the time to say. So
1: thanks I'm again. I'm glad I, I really enjoyed talking to you guys. So thank you for having me on your podcast. And I hope all you other ECSAers enjoy it and I don't know continue being your little niche or nut self, <laughs> 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 live <laughs> in your life. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, well well thanks for
2: tuning in everybody. We'll see you next week with yet another episode. I believe we'll be touching a bit on some climate anxiety stuff. Yes, and climate activism. Yeah. Yeah, Very exciting. exciting. Uh yeah. Thanks again, (laughs) Megan. And uh we'll see the rest of you fools next week. Right on. Right on. (laughs) Right on, right on, right on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) bye. Thank you.